Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He got there, like you said, Gary. You were there with him? Yeah, I was there one year with him. All you right, fellas. We're live with another episode of Talking Preps. We got a teammate that's off in the back, not quite ready yet. But the one thing I've been hearing all week, Sam, is everybody wants to know who won the tennis match. Now, you can't give it away. Can't give it away. Oh, Chris went and got a There we go. There we go. Let's go. David had to be. That's amazing. That's going to be pretty cool. Everybody wanted to see it. So we're going to have results from the tennis match. We're going to have all kind of fun stuff. We got Ernest Winston in the back. We got a huge show. We got Kinsey. Uh, guys, this, this may be the most loaded show we've ever had. I always love that intro. That's pretty good. <laughs> Fired up. All right, we're going to bring in the man, Ernest Winston, CMS superintendent. How are you, sir? I am doing well, gentlemen. How are you all tonight? Well, great. Thanks, great. Fantastic. thanks for coming on with us. Sam said he never met you before, so before we put him in the back room, we want to give you guys a chance to digitally say hello to each other. Well, it's, look, it's good to it's good to connect uh, faces with names. Uh, you hear about all these uh, superstars out here, so uh, Sam, it's good to <laughs> good to see you. Uh oh, uh oh, I'm and, and Gary and I, uh, so so too does Langston. We've got a little history here. Yeah, yeah. So, I just Absolutely. I commend you, man. You you came straight from the classroom and you worked your way up the right way, and I think that that represents teachers really well. And so I'm excited to work for you. Really am. Well, thank you, all Sam. Right, we're gonna put you back in purgatory for a little while, Sam. We'll bring you back a little bit. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, and uh, Ernest, I wanted to ask you. Um, this has been a tough, tough couple of months for you, uh, running one of the nation's largest school systems. Your first year on the job. Before we kind of get into all the COVID stuff, has anything surprised you so far, year one? And what are you kind of looking forward to do next? Well, you know, the next uh, imminent uh, thing to do is to uh, successfully open schools. And so I know that's on uh, everybody's radar. And um, I, I will tell you that, um, you know, I've talked to superintendents uh, who have been in the business for 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, and to a person, they've all said, we've never encountered anything like this. So, um, you know, I, I reach out to them uh, to get uh, best practices uh, and to have a thought partner because uh, we're all trying to do this uh, together and we're trying to do it well um, in, in what is a very trying environment where the, uh, the floor is constantly moving from 
beneath us. Things are changing on a daily, if not hourly basis. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, our goal is to, to make sure that uh, we educate all of our kids well, uh, but we want to do so in an environment that's safe for kids and for staff members as well. Yeah, absolutely. What's been the uh, the toughest part just with dealing with the pandemic? And, and what are your concerns for students and teachers as we go into school this fall? The toughest challenge in dealing with the pandemic uh, has probably been, um, you know, just trying to take in all of the feedback uh, that you get from students. Uh, and our students have, have articulated uh, their positions very well. Um, you know, going back to the spring, um, and, and let me just talk about our seniors in particular, because when they started uh, last school year, they had no inkling um, that uh, they would not experience uh, a normal uh, senior year, uh, one with no prom, uh, no senior nights, uh, and then uh, the graduation ceremony uh, experience was completely different from anything they've envisioned. Um, so just helping our students understand that, um, you, know, you know, we're going through times that are different, uh, but different doesn't diminish your overall experience. And so uh, listening to our parents, of course, um, you know, our parents range uh, in terms of how this pandemic is impacting uh, their ability uh, to work, as well as uh, be able to uh, homeschool their children, uh, as, as we've all had to do over the past several months. And then you also have staff concerns as well, and those are very valid. All of those, um, those concerns are very valid. And so trying to balance um, the different constituencies and the concerns that they bring uh, but at the end of the day, uh, knowing that uh, it is my goal, it is my team's goal uh, to make sure that we are making sure that staff and students are being uh, educated and are working in as safe an environment as possible. So we, we can't compromise on that. Yeah. And I guess, you know, this being a sports show, the, one of the big questions on everybody's mind is CMS is going to remote learning. In your mind, Ernest, do you think a remote learner can then play sports? Would that be OK? Langston, can you repeat that? Uh, did you say, well, I'll let you repeat that for me if you could. Yeah. It, yeah. A lot of people want to know since CMS is going remote learning, would you be OK with remote learners playing sports? Well, that would be a challenge. So, so, so all of us, you know, and, and as recently as a few hours ago, uh, was reading some emails um, from, you know, uh, parents uh, who had expressed concern about, you know, whether or not we were going to uh, have fall sports. And, um, you know, we certainly appreciate uh, the concerns and the thoughts that uh, parents and, and all members of our community have when it comes to our students and uh, in this particular situation, our student athletes, um, there's, there's, there's a lot of disappointment uh, around uh, the decision to postpone uh, the athletic activity uh, on our campuses this summer. Um, and then we also know that there's the uncertainty around the uh, fall sports season. Um, and so um, we continue to await guidance from the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. And we anticipate um, that uh, you know, 
within the next several weeks, they may come out with some guidance. Um, and then also the governor, uh, hopefully prior to that, uh, will make an announcement in regards to the state being in phase two. Um, th these are these are painstaking decisions uh, that impact all of us, and uh, we do not reach any of these decisions lightly. So uh, we will have to await that guidance before we uh, make a determination on whether to move forward with uh, fall sports. Ernest, good to see you again. We go back a long way, and uh, I'm happy that you came up the right way from the classroom all the way to the top of CMS, and uh, I'm very happy for you. And uh, you coming in under some tough situations, but I, I'm proud of you. Thank you, uh, Gary. My, my question to you is, um, last week, uh, a lot of CMS uh, student athletes got together and they protested about the opportunity to um, to go back to workouts and, and get ready for the fall season. What impact did that have on on you or or, or the school board or, or other higher ups within the system? Thank you for that question, Gary. So I know that um, you know, in addition to myself, other members. Um, of the district's leadership team, um, watch that uh, event very closely. And, and Gary, I, I would, um, you know, I, I would like to, to say that students uh, did what we taught them to do. Um, they saw an issue that they're very passionate about. Uh, they used their voice uh, to provide some advocacy, um, you know, for themselves. Uh, and they did it the right way. Uh, it was peaceful. Um, and, uh, you know, students articulated uh, their stance on this. And as I mentioned before, um, this is not easy. Um, and so, you know, I, I applaud our students for utilizing their voice. A couple of weeks ago, our board chairperson, uh, Elise Dashu and myself, uh, we spent uh, a few hours on a uh, Zoom meeting with uh, several of our student leaders. And we heard their uh, position um, on everything that uh, was impacting their education. And so... Um when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Those are the type of things that we want to see. Um, and if students, frankly, were silent on the issue, uh, I'd probably be a little bit disappointed. Uh, but what they did was they took an opportunity uh, to talk about the benefits of, um, of athletics. Uh, and, and we know that high school athletics, we're not the only entity dealing um, with this. Uh, we 
kid in the professional ranks. Uh, so we're all trying to deal with this um, uh, during this particular pandemic. Pandemic. According to the, the Charlotte Observer and the Raleigh News and Observer, over half the state is uh, has opted to go to remote learning, including a third of CMS students. Uh, the, the CDC has recommended in-person learning for students. So who, who's right here, the, the school systems or the CDC? Well, Gary, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and, and, and I would maintain that there is no right answer. There, there absolutely is no right answer. I think you have to take the information um, that you have um, at your disposal but then I think you also have to look at, you know, what are your goals? Um, is your goal to educate every child uh, well uh, and in a successful manner? And if that's the case, then you have to look back and say, well, what do I need to do in order to make that happen? Uh, we need to make sure that we provide all of our students with the tools and the resources that they need to be educated um, well um, in this uh, remote environment. So um, there is no right answer, um, you know, and that was one of the things that I have learned early on uh, in my tenure as superintendent. Uh, you cannot um, make a decision that you are uh, trying to please everybody involved. So all constituents, uh, inevitably, uh, you're going to upset some people. But, but I don't think it should be the goal um, the measurement of success is not uh, making everyone happy. Um, but, you know, when I lay my uh, head down at night on the pillow, I have to uh, be able to rest comf comfortably knowing that I made a decision that uh, was in the best interest of the uh, safety of our students and our staff, and that will allow them uh, to get a, um, a solid and a robust education. Some, some parents don't understand the purpose of bringing kids in for the first two weeks of the school year and then going to remote learning. Could you explain to, to the public why uh, CMS felt it necessary to, to bring the kids in for the two, first two weeks of the semester? Absolutely, Gary, and I'm glad you asked that question. And so, um, first of all, I think it's important um, to just name this right away. Um, I would never ask uh, another parent uh, in CMS uh, to do something that uh, I am not willing to do myself. And of course, what I mean by that is that I am a father of two students in Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools, and uh, we have uh, made the decision uh, to participate um, in the uh, model that falls under the Plan B plus remote model uh, so that uh, at some point uh, when the district does go back uh, to uh, a plan B, um, then our two students, our girls, will be uh, rotating in and out um, of the classroom along with other students. The students uh, who participate in the um, full remote academy, um, what their parents have said is that we do not want our students um, to go into a brick and mortar building. And that is a choice that every family has had to make. And so um, I think you alluded to the fact that about a third of our uh, student population has opted for the full remote academy. One thing that I know for sure is that 
when we closed our doors on March the 13th, uh, we did so very suddenly and we did not have an opportunity to really prepare our students uh, to be successful completely in a remote learning environment. We have that opportunity uh, now going into this upcoming school year. And we're going to do that in a manner that is very safe. Um, and that, uh, you know, so I wanna assure our staff members, I wanna assure our students that we're gonna do that in a, in, a, in a safe manner. But it's important, when I talked earlier about um, what does success look like? Uh, we know that unfortunately in the spring, um, when we pivoted uh, to that full remote environment, um, we didn't have an opportunity to prepare um, all of our students for success. Uh, and what do I mean by that? We have an opportunity uh, during the first two weeks of schools uh, to make sure that our students are have had an opportunity to connect with their teachers, but also uh, make sure that they get all of their packets, their resources, um, get their computers if there are issues, make sure that we're able to fix their computers, uh, but really, you know, connect with their other classmates and their teachers so that when we do move to a full remote environment, uh, we have already established, um, you know, those things that are important for students to be successful uh, long term. It, it would be our expectation to as quickly as possible move into um, uh, plan B, if you will, uh, from um, a, a all remote model, but we don't know what the conditions will look like um, here and if the numbers will move in a positive direction. So um, now that we have the opportunity to do so in a very safe environment, we want to take advantage of it. And with about a third of our students moving to the or opting for the full remote academy, that uh, means that there will be fewer students uh, who will have to rotate uh, during those first two weeks um, into the school on a three or four day period. Um, so uh, it's something that we continue to monitor um, and we're very cognizant of and we want to do all we can to make sure that all kids and staff members are safe. Uh, well, good evening again, Ernest, and thanks again for joining us here tonight. And I'm going to go back to Gary's question because I like uh, the response you gave in regards to the students and the parents into that first two-week uh, question. Uh, but I have heard from some teachers who are also concerned that, that there's no real concrete plans for how things will operate in regards to them uh, for those first two weeks when they return to class. Uh, when do you think the teachers uh, can expect some more answers on how those first two weeks will work? Absolutely. Well, well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And uh, I will tell you that, uh, you know, in an environment, um, and I get it, um, you know, everyone, uh, rightfully so, um, we want to know what the answers are right away. And I completely get it. Um, sometimes we have not uh, been able to uh, come up with those answers as quickly as we would like. Um, but as soon as we get information, um, we are getting that uh, to our uh, building level leaders, our principals and our school administrators. Uh, just today, um, our leadership team uh, had a meeting and we talked about uh, the first two days of school, uh, August 6th and August 7th, when um, our teachers will immerse themselves in our new uh, learning management platform called Canvas. 
And that really is a tool that uh, teachers and families will utilize to stay connected with each other, to stay in touch. Um, Canvas will allow our families to email principals and vice versa, um, their teachers, I should say, uh, to check on the status of their child. Uh, it'll also allow families to uh, check on assignments um, that students uh, were given. Uh, did, did the student turn in his or her assignment? Um, it's just a, it's a very neat tool. Um, and uh, we're excited about uh, our teachers, um, you know, being provided some professional development around our Canvas platform. And we'll have those same opportunities for our families as well. Um, but, you know, when we talk about the professional development that will happen um, when teachers return, uh, you know, to the school building, it's things like that that they will be learning that help set students up for success uh, throughout the school year. Well, I, I've been using Canvas for a while uh, through some uh, college work. I've been doing some coursework and it is very easy. Uh, so I think it'll come as a welcome addition to a lot of schools there. Um, but in addition to that, uh, you know, I've been a former coach and, and I'm always trying to advocate advocate for coaches in this state. Uh, high school coaches uh, and CMS get an extra month's pay, head coaches that is, uh, for the work. And, and, you know, they end up working more hours than they're ever uh, paid anyway. But we've heard that coaches are not getting their summer pay, at least as of yet. Is that going to happen? And, and what's the status with that? So, so thank you for that. Uh, one of the things that I know has been taking place, um, you know, with our uh, high school coaches, uh, with our student athletes are the uh, virtual uh, workouts. Um, and so uh, it, it would be uh, my expectation uh, as we continue down that path. Um, and that's something that we want to encourage um, because I know that uh, student athletes and, and coaches have very strong connections with uh, one another. And so that's something we don't want to uh, deprive our students of, even though uh, we're in a remote environment. So it would be my expectation as we move forward and those voluntary uh, virtual workouts continue um, that we would be able to uh, compensate uh, our coaches. Ernest, like everyone else, uh, thank you for uh, being on with us tonight. And this first question actually is going to roll right off of what uh, Chris was just talking to you about. Uh, the NCHSAA has authorized uh, workouts for uh, schools. Uh, the question that a lot of coaches around here are asking is what, uh, you know, why can they not work out? What guidance do you think you need from the NCHSAA to maybe allow them to move forward and start working out? Um, so, so thank you for that question. I appreciate that. Um, what we have seen uh, locally um, is that the numbers have, have not been moving um, in the right direction. And so um, we um, have committed that we will allow that process to, to begin um, as soon as we feel like it is safe um, uh, for students to uh, be able to, to uh, work out voluntarily, uh, as well as coaches, uh, because coaches have to be there as well. Um, so, uh, you know, in terms of the guidance from the uh, North Carolina High School Athletic Association, um, one of the things that we are awaiting 
is whether or not uh, we will have a fall sports season or if it'll be condensed or exactly what that will look like. Uh, and so until we're able to get that guidance and we hear from the governor whether he uh, plans to stay in phase two for the state or if we will move to another phase, I think all of those uh, factors will help inform our decision. Um, but, but above all, first and foremost, we want to um, we don't want to bring um, our student athletes back, and I understand it, it's voluntary, um, but uh, certainly we want to do so and bring them back when we feel it is uh, safe to do so. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take privilege and ask one more question based on that. And you said that um, the numbers are high, as we know here in Mecklenburg County. Do you have a um, a point, a metric that says go, no go. Um, that's one of the things that I hear from coaches is we don't know what the plans are and what are they looking at. So uh, do, do you have a go, no go that when it drops to this point, we can move forward or is that something you could share? So Dale, uh, thank you for raising that. Uh, you may recall at our Board of Education meeting uh, last week that uh, one of the feedback uh, that the board provided to me and staff is that uh, we would like uh, to be able to have a set of metrics that uh, we can use to determine whether we should move from one phase uh, to another phase. And so um, we have uh, launched um, or announced that we're going to uh, create a medical advisory team that will be comprised of uh, leadership at our public health department, as well as our uh, private uh, health care providers. Uh, we will have uh, district staff uh, from central office um, on that team as well. Uh, and it is the expectation that uh, that advisory council will deliberate and they will come back and recommend a set of metrics that we can use uh, as part of our decision-making process. Um, so that process uh, is, is well underway um, and we're working with uh, individual schedules to determine when we can have that first meeting. But we do certainly wanna be able to point to a set of metrics that we can use uh, to make those decisions. Thank you for that. Uh Suppose we do not have uh, fall sports or we don't have sports this year. Uh, there are parents that are wondering about a gap year. And so the question would be, uh, how would that look? What do you support such a thing? Is it possible? What could you elaborate on that? And that would be having seniors that are senior this year come back next year so that they could take uh, part in sports that they missed this year? So Dale, one of the things that um, uh, I have learned, and I know Langston had inquired earlier, so what are some things that you have learned um, uh, during your first year as superintendent? And, and one of the things that I have learned, and I just, I'll be just very candid, is that, um, you know, you don't always have all of the answers. Um, and so instead of uh, making up an answer, uh, I'm just going to be very candid with you and let you know that that is something that we have not uh, studied um, uh, very closely, but it's something that we will look at. Um, so I can't tell you uh, at this particular point 
um, that I have an opinion on that particular scenario and what that could look like. We would have to uh, study that a little bit more before we uh, make a determination about that. Yeah, I can appreciate that answer. Uh, middle school sports, that's another um, area that I guess we haven't really talked a lot about, but do you see middle school being able to have sports this year? Well, so it is our expectation that uh, when we announce um, what our plans are for high school athletics, that we will uh, do the same um, for middle school athletics. Um, and we know that, uh, you know, our high school athletics program uh, does uh, significantly fund our middle school athletics. So um, that's a decision that we will make um, along with our high school decision, Dale. Thank you. Yeah, Ernest, um, the North Carolina High School Athletic Association, if they do say, okay, go ahead, let's get started with the fall sports season with limited attend attendance, um, would you expect these games to also include the cheerleaders, the letter girls, the marching band, the student trainers, uh, the ROTC, um, all of these other things that go along with Friday night football? So great question. Um, what I can uh, say with certainty is that uh, if a decision is made uh, to move forward with high school athletics, it will look very different um, from what um, I think we're all accustomed to. Um, you know, I just think just think about uh, Major League Baseball, for example. Um, when you uh, if you all had a chance to look at any of the games this past weekend, uh, you noticed that uh, there were there were no fans uh, in the stadium um, and, and things uh, felt and looked a lot different. Um, it is our goal to make sure that um, our other student uh, athletes and, and certainly I consider our cheerleaders uh, part of that. Uh, students who are involved in extracurricular activities such as the band, um, you know, it is our expectation that students will still have those opportunities. However, it may look a lot different than uh, we are all accustomed to. And and with that limited attendance, of course, there's going to be a, a great loss in revenue. And we know how much football uh, finances the other um, athletic programs. Would you be in favor of raising the ticket prices to say $10 as opposed to uh, what they are now at, at $7? Well, well, Gary, I, you know, I, I would be uh, hesitant to take um, any option off the table right now. Um, you know, again, and I know it's premature. We, we hadn't made that decision yet. Uh, but we will um, definitely have to make sure that we have a solid funding source. And so uh, to the extent that that could help us get there, um, I would not want to remove that option uh, off the table as a, uh, a potential funding source. Okay. Today we found out that Virginia is going to move all their athletic programs fall, winter, and spring to to second semester. Um, 
would you rather see a shortened fall sports semester or all sports move to to second semester like Virginia is planning to do? Yeah. So I think uh, you're going to see more and more of that, uh, Gary, in terms of districts uh, doing, um, you know, taking different measures um, so that uh, there's some semblance of um, a fall sports season, uh, whether it actually takes place in the fall or at some other time during the school year. And uh, one of the things that I um, and the uh, team would rely heavily upon um, is the feedback and the, um, the thoughts of our athletic directors. Um, that's not a decision that um, I am going to make in isolation. Uh, we wanna make sure that we talk to our athletic directors, um, our high school principals. Um, you know, it would be, um, uh, I don't think it would be a sound uh, decision-making process if we have not uh, included their voice um, as part of that feedback loop. Um, so we certainly would look to them and get their thoughts as part of our overall decision. Today we saw um, a Major League Baseball team, the Florida Marlins, um, about a third of the team tested positive for COVID. And Major League Baseball had to shut down um, their series tonight with Baltimore, as well as the previous team that they played the Phillies uh, versus the Yankees. And, and colleges are doing a lot of testing and the NBA has its bubble um, and hockey is, has three bubbles. Um, how would it be possible for CMS to, to resume sports activities um, with or without testing? Is testing a possibility for, for CMS? Uh, yes. So, so, so Gary, the uh, North Carolina High School Athletic Association has come out um, with uh, a set of protocols um, and anything we do will certainly have to be in alignment um, with those protocols. And, and that's what makes it so challenging um, with regard to our student athletes and our students in general uh, is because, uh, you know, we're part of a larger society, so we're not immune um, to our students, our student athletes, our staff members uh, testing positive. And so, you know, one of the things um, that, you know, we would certainly want to make sure of is that, uh, you know, we're following all of those protocols and guidelines that have been established um, in order for student athletes uh, to be able to participate, uh, you know, in fall athletics. Um, but, you know, People ask, you know, well, what will happen, you know, when that occurs, uh, if there's a positive test? And, and I would say that, you know, it's not a matter of, you know, will there be one? There will likely be a, a positive test somewhere. And so, um, you know, we will be prepared to address it and deal with it uh, when it occurs. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's it's. We're, we're in a situation where there are just so many unknowns. Uh, there's a great deal of uncertainty. Um, and we just want to make sure that we're doing um, what's in the best interest of safety for our students and our staff members. Ernest, I'm glad you brought up the positive test because it's obvious and I think it's very certain that we're going to at least have a, a test 
at come back positive at some point and, and how we will react to it. And, and that kind of leads me to this question. Uh, let's just say that half of the CMS coaches in, in the system are also teachers. I think that's probably a safe bet to assume. Um, do you think it's safe that we could have the contact sports? And you notice I mentioned the contact, the football, the wrestling, so on. If we did take those steps in the remote learning now, uh, do you think that that would help in keeping the kids off campus to keep those numbers lower uh, so we can have those uh, contact sports? So, so, so I think that could be helpful. And, uh, you know, what, you know, when my team and I, we talk about, um, you know, athletics and student athletes and, and coaches uh, and what that could look like, you know, it's really about, uh, it's very difficult to eliminate all risk. You know, even in a normal environment during the regular school year, you know, we try to put as many protocols and safety measures in place uh, to help um, deal with the risk, but we cannot eliminate all the risk. What we can try to do is mitigate those risks uh, that may come up. Uh, and of course, we'll have to deal with them you know, as they arise. But uh, I just wanted to be able to lift that up uh, because I don't want um, anyone to believe that we're going to eliminate every risk that exists. We'll do our best to mitigate them um, with our uh, safety and precautionary uh, measures that we take, uh, including our uh, you know, screening that uh, student athletes would be required to participate in. They would be asked a set of questions um, and, and, and have to follow those protocols. But it's going to be very difficult uh, to try to eliminate all the risks that exist. And Ernest, I appreciate you being so open with us tonight and taking so much time during your evening. Uh, and, and I'm glad you brought up the, the just the athletics in general. You know, I coached in Texas first spell. And with my position, I've spoke, I've been able to speak with uh, academics and, and, and superintendents and administrators uh, such as yourself for years. And, and, you know, I'll lean on my time in Texas where athletics and, and 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 let's just talk about football a little bit more specifically where they thrive off of football uh and 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 it supports the academics and and the community and uh the avenues for advancement for the the young student athletes i just want to get your overall general feeling of athletics from your perspective and, and not just from the administrator from the leader of clms uh but from ernest winston the fan uh just how big of a sports fan you are how much you enjoy getting out to see the athletes i know we always seem to talk about the high schools but the middle schoolers and just everybody in general just want to kind of get your take on just how big of a sports fan you are well, you know, I can tell you that I am a, a huge sports fan. Uh, you know, I am a, a former uh, high school uh, athlete myself. Now, I, let, let me just name this. I, I was nowhere near as good as you all uh, probably were in high school, um, but I did play uh, basketball in high school. And, um, you know, I've got a uh, rising seventh grader who, is aspiring uh, if the conditions will allow us to do so, uh, wants to uh, try out for her uh, middle school um, uh, girls basketball team. Um, so we're, we're huge uh, sports fans in our family. Um, and I am a huge uh, fan of not just football, but baseball and basketball. And uh, uh, my golf game is not as, uh, as good as uh, Langston's, but uh, you know, I try my best uh, when I get out there. 
Um, but I am a huge sports fan, and and I will tell you, I I understand uh, the benefits and the importance of sports in our society. Um, you know, as a whole, and and when we talk about our student athletes in particular, uh, I understand the benefits uh, that athletics play um, in the lives of our students. Uh, and I talked earlier about the connections that developed uh, between players, but also between players and coaches. Um, and, and that's real, and that's real. And that's something that, you know, we have to factor into uh, any decision that we will ultimately make is the uh, overall value um, that athletics plays in the lives of our student athletes. Thanks for expanding on that because what I'm going to ask you next really, I think, drives off of some of that. Uh, I grew up in Charlotte and I attended uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. I have four children that attended. Um, this next question is about facilities and uh, it's kind of something that has concerned me because we fought it with my, uh, when my children were at Olympic high school. Uh, just recently, uh, Mallard Creek got a new uh, turf field. I know they needed it. Uh, we also had a, a school that was built not too long ago, Philip O'Berry, who has had a field put in since they were built. And then right up the street is a high school, uh, Harding High School, that is still playing on a, a very poor field. And so facilities, there seems to be disparity in CMS. I've seen this and felt this myself. And so I'd like to get your thoughts or input on that as to um, do you see a disparity and how might you address this? So, Dale, yes, uh, you know, that is one of the things that, you know, disturbs me and that keeps me up at night um, is not only the inequities that I see uh, in our classroom, uh, but also the disparities that I see when it comes to our facilities. And I think um, several of our teachers uh, very clearly articulated uh, some of those disparities uh, at our recent school board meeting uh, last week. Uh, when we talked about um, the conditions that some of our schools are in. And, and granted, uh, many of our schools, um, the buildings are a lot older, uh, certainly a lot older than I am, uh, which means that the athletic facilities and all of the other um, uh, things on that campus um, are, are older. And so, um, you know, we have, um, we recently uh, went to uh, voters uh, a few years ago, and um, they responded overwhelmingly um, with a successful bond referendum that allows us to um, update uh, our, our school facilities. And so, uh, you know, to the extent that uh, we have those resources to be able to uh, provide, um, you know, those refreshment opportunities of our facilities, then we can do that. Um, so part of the, the, the answer is that, um, you know, we don't have all of the resources that we need uh, to be able to update all of our facilities. Um, and so um, that's just a, a reality that exists. Um, but it still is a concern that I have um, because, you know, when, when I when I attend, um, you know, football games, um, you know, I have an opportunity to visit different schools and um, you know, check out the facilities and, um, you know, uh, 
it's not always uh, fair that uh, a student in one part of town um, does not have the uh, access to the same facilities that students in another part of town. And so we've got uh, some work to do in that regard uh, to make sure that we're providing uh, those equitable opportunities for, for all of our students and our student athletes. Thank you for that answer. Uh, communications is very important. Uh, and communications on this uh, particular topic is, uh, I think, uh, very important. So a lot of people use social media, and we wanted to ask you about that, about the social media, and uh, how can you uh, maybe communicate more with parents, uh, students, parents? Uh, you, you don't use a, a social media. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Well, Dale, so I, so I do have um, a Twitter account that I use to uh, uh, communicate, um, you know, with our parents, with our staff members and our community at large. Um, you know, certainly could I uh, utilize it a little bit more than I do? Probably so. Um, and I know that our uh, communications team, um, you know, uses a variety of social media platforms uh, to help get the message out because, um, you know, you know, if you look at it from a standpoint when, you know, you and I were going through school, um, we didn't have those platforms. Uh, you know, we would receive messages, you know, the teacher would probably send a note home uh, and expect it to arrive, uh, you know, at, at the house. Sometimes that happened, uh, sometimes it didn't. Um, but uh, I say all of that to say that we have a variety of mechanisms to uh, communicate with families, uh, including our Connect Ed system, our school's website, um, obviously uh, the communications from schools to families. Um, we have a variety of mechanisms. And so we've got to utilize all of those mechanisms because what works for one family may not be the best way to communicate to another particular family. Um, but, uh, you know, Dale, I will do my best to uh, uh, tweet a little bit more often. Uh, and, I, and I may say something. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'll reference you in one of those tweets, Dale. But, uh, <laughs> on a serious note, um, I completely hear what you're saying. Um, we've got to communicate more. Uh, we've got to communicate more frequently. Um, and, 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 and our communications has to be accurate. Um, you know, um, you know, being in the in the news business uh, uh, or formerly in the news business uh, over there with Langston, you know, one of the things we tried to do um, was, was be the first to be the first out the gate. Well, it's, it's a little bit uh, of a different approach that I take now. It, it's not always important uh, in, in my current role to be first out the gate. Uh, it, it's important to make sure that we have um, the context along with the messaging that we're trying to get out to families. Um, so um, you know, that that's where we are. But I, I will do my best, Dale, to tweet a little bit more. Well, don't tweet as much as Grice tweets. <laughs> hey, right. People got to understand. You know, got to got to communicate to the people. I love it. Hey, Ernest, man, I, I appreciate you being on. I know we had you like on the stand for like an hour, but you're not sweating. Yeah, you I was in that position right there. We have one more question, though. But then we got this a lot when we were on when you were talking. Uh, okay. A lot of teachers asked about the rationale behind Plan B Plus, and can you just speak to that a little bit? Because that, that question came up many times as you were talking. 
Well, so no, thank you for lifting that up, Langston. So essentially the, the Plan B Plus remote is really um, the remote option. Um, and the only thing that's different is that students in small groups will rotate in um, on a three to four day basis during those first two weeks. So not all of the students um, will be in school for the entire two weeks, but they will be there for, uh, th most of them will be in person for three days. Um, and there are a few students who will be there for four days, but um, the, the goal really is to make sure that we're setting all of our kids up for success. And I think back to those students we did not have contact with in the fall um, because we weren't able to properly prepare uh, and set expectations um, so that when they went to a full remote environment, um, they could be successful, make sure they had their devices, they had all of the tools that they need. Um, and, um, you know, of course, this will uh, as I alluded to earlier, uh, from an attendance, uh, we will take attendance. Uh, there will be grading taking place. So I want to set those expectations because we're really going to need uh, our families uh, who have been great uh, and they've been very patient and understanding. Um, but we're really going to uh, need our families uh, to join us in this effort to make sure that. Uh, uh, the expectations are being met in terms of attendance uh, and grading. And I know there was, uh, we relaxed that last spring uh, because we were in a uh, mindset of do no harm um, to our students. And so uh, this year is going to be a little bit different in that regard um, uh, in terms of grading and attendance. And so uh, just really uh, uh, implore that our families uh, continue to join us in this effort uh, because I am not naive enough to think that we can do this alone. It is going to take all of us, uh, staff, uh, it's gonna take our students, it's gonna take our families, it's gonna take our uh, community at large uh, for us and our children to be successful um, this upcoming school year. Well, Ernest, again, thanks for coming on, man. I, you know, we talked about communication. Anytime you want to communicate with the public, you got to see it on Talking Preps, man. Anytime, anytime. Well, you know, I'll be back when you all extend the next invite. I'll be happy to uh, be back. No doubt. I think his plan B plus really works. So I think building those relationships with students, they understand expectations a little more when they see their teacher in person for those two weeks. We just got to be real protective while we do it. And I, you know, I know that some people don't feel safe. They're not going to do it. They're going to do the all remote. But I think that that choice was really good. One quick question for you, though. Uh, is it true? Are you related to Jennifer Hudson? Uh -huh. <laughs> How did I know that might come up, right? That me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yes. I am related to, to Jennifer Hudson. Yes, sir. So you can sing. I, I, no, I, look, I, I knew I, I knew that was coming up as well. If you want to maintain your viewership, you would not ask me to uh, to uh, hit any notes uh, whatsoever. So all right. we all have different talents and singing uh, is not one of mine. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Ernest, thank you, thanks again, man. We'll, we'll definitely give you another invite to have you on later on. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank I appreciate you. it very much. Y'all take care. Be safe. Right. Take care.
All right, there's Ernest Winston, the uh, superintendent CMS schools right there. Um, you know, every week on Talking Preps, we got big time guests. That's one of the biggest ones we've had. Got to bring in my girl, Kenzie McLean. How you doing, Kenzie McLean? Good, how are you? Well, you you were at a tennis match this weekend between, or last week, between two of our co-hosts. They keep talking about how they want to play each other in something. Now, we're not going to give away what happened, but let's just take a look at round one. We are here in what is basically the equivalent equivalent of Wimbledon. I'm gonna dominate this. I mean, built for glory. You gotta come. It's like stretching. Don't even need it. It's like a cat out of the jungle about to go take the prey, and uh, you know, dominate this set, and then win the next set, and then go eat good. Because you know, when you win, the meal's gonna taste a lot better. Take three meal. Take three meal. No doubt. We going sizzling. We going sizzling. <laughs> Looks like it's about to go down. Yeah, it's going to go down all right. Either me, my leg, or him, one of the two. <laughs> Kenzie right there in that first set. I mean, the match did not disappoint. Like I said, basically Wimbledon, um, they coordinated outfits. I don't know if they did that on purpose, but uh, definitely the match did not disappoint. Uh, you got to stay tuned to see how it ends. Did you see that double backhand right there? That touch? It looked like Nadal. Like I looked oh, like Nadal. <laughs> it was great. All right, let's see the second set. impressed though Chris he brought his A game like he was hitting lefties he had double forehands he did have double forehands <laughs> it was a little tricky to figure out his spin uh, Chris how do you feel man I feel great uh, to, to, to go the distance uh, that was my, my final game was the best one uh, final set it, it was great hey talking preps crew I know I'm, I'm a gracious loser they don't beat me but I will say this there will be a rematch that's fine. He can get all that the rematches he wants. Football, basketball, trampoline, it doesn't matter. Trampoline. I'm feeling the trampoline. <laughs> trampoline. <laughs> That's good stuff. I didn't know my dancing skills were struggling. I've been out of the club a long time. <laughs> they were struggling a little bit. Um, you recently had another interview with a Myers Park kid. Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, so I talked a little to Todd Dell, who was uh, on last week. He had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties. I got to talk to him about his uh, recent commitment to Old Dominion, which is huge, and uh, how he thought the protest went and uh, how recruiting during a pandemic is because it's such a weird time. Okay. Get out, ball.
right, so we're here with Taj Yell of Myers Park. Taj, how do you think the protest went? Um, I think it went really well. Um, I feel like we uh, got our voices heard. Um, we had a good support from the community that come out. Many different schools came out. So yeah, I really think it went well. How's recruiting been during the COVID-19 period? Um, it's been a lot different, I can say. Uh, you know, dealing with um, COVID, we haven't been able to like visit schools as much. I've been able to talk to a lot of coaches personally. So it's been a little uh, iffy, but at the same time, you know, we still have to make that decision. Now, what made you choose the school that you're getting ready to choose? Um, I'll say family atmosphere. Um, you know, I got really close with the coaches. Uh, they treated me like, you know, they were like my uncles. And I just feel like it's, it's like the best decision for me and for my future. All right. Yeah. Nice talking to you, Todd. Thank you. That was pretty good. There yeah. is, there's Chris right there, my man. My man. So, What'd you say? Sorry. I just said my man uh, talking back to um to Sam, but to Kenzie, yeah. I, I've just got to say it. Your work continues to impress. Uh, your interviews yeah. and putting together our video. I mean, incredible effort. Uh, I really appreciate that. Thank man, you. Thank you. You did a really good job. I appreciate everything you've done. Thank you. I know one thing. All right, this is where Chris Hughes cannot be beat. We're going to go to Chris's corner. You know, for an old guy, I was really happy with how I played. And, Kenzie, you were out there to document it all. Uh, and, and though we say goodbye to Kenzie, uh, for the record, I had an incredible left-hand shot. Uh, probably put about two or three good ones in that game. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that, was, that was it. Uh, but, hey, anybody who has followed me over the past 15, 20 years uh, covering high school athletics, high school football, has seen the – the stadium project that I've done uh, this past weekend's another weekend where I just went all across to the state. This time I went all the way to Western North Carolina, uh, taking some pictures, uh, some newer pictures. You know, I've been to every high school in the state to, to this point. Uh, I just want to go out, get some new photos, put some stuff out on social media for the fans to see. Uh, I love putting uh, my mark and just giving you guys an insight into the communities. I think each small community is what makes high school football so cool and the allows you to see what other schools have. I know sometimes the only time you get out of your area is maybe during the playoffs or every now and then a pretty cool non-conference game. Uh, but I thought it was, it's a really cool idea to give you guys that glimpse into other communities and, and really what makes football and their community special. And, and, and I kind of want to segue that into this conversation we had with Ernest Winston. I love the question that Dale brought up regarding Mallard Creek and, and the facilities they just had and the disparity of athletic facilities in North Carolina or in CMS. But also, I, I'd like to bring it up in North Carolina as well. There are some school systems that just have and, and there's no way to sh uh, cookie code atrocious facilities. And, and, you know, I would love to see that gap. Uh, between the haves and the have-nots in the state of North Carolina kind of be bridged as well, just to give some of these other student-athletes a chance to play on some great turf fields, or not even turf. I'm not talking about artificial turf. I'm just talking about great grass uh, without the fear of being injured. Uh, there, there's some stadiums in eastern North Carolina on uh, the northeastern quadrant that that I know coaches who say they try to get up as big as they can early so they can take it easy and hopefully not get a, 
a player injured towards the end of that game. Uh, so, you know, that's just kind of my thing. I want to make sure that we have all of our school systems are doing everything, everything they possibly can uh, to make it a level playing field, pardon the pun, talking about the uh, stadiums, and, and just do something great for the student athletes. Because, you know, I mentioned this so often, uh, other states, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, Gosh, you should see the stadiums in Oklahoma. I was on a road trip in Ohio earlier this year. They thrive off of athletics. They have figured out the magic formula to where, hey, let's not keep football. Let's not suffocate football from having the needs that they have and, and not giving them the resources they need. Let, let's provide an overabundance of resources to football so it can give opportunity to the young, these young men. And oh, by the way, you know, if you're a fan of tennis or, or your, your child's a swimmer, or maybe they don't play football and you don't understand that, you know, why football gets all the money a lot of times, football will drive the train, the engine to give all of these sports of an abundance of resources if you give it an opportunity to. And again, I think that goes back to why I do the stadium project to give everyone a glimpse into what the other schools in North Carolina has. So hopefully maybe your school system, your County commissioners, your school board, your board of education will say, Hey, we, we, we really need to do better. We need to give our kids something too. So guys, that's what I've got for the Christmas corner this week. Um, I hope it wasn't too much of a rant, but you, you know, <laughs> for a long time knows that I get really worked up and really fired up about these stadiums and wanting to make sure that every kid in North Carolina has something great to call their own. Absolutely. Chris, I love that, man. Um, I love your passion. I, I, you put more miles in your car than anybody, I think, in North Carolina. You, you've seen every inch of this state, and it's amazing that the work that you do. Um, one thing that we have been hearing, though, Chris, is a lot of kids are saying if North Carolina doesn't play football, I'm going to go to South Carolina to play football. Hearing that a lot. Uh, I talked to Kings Mountain's Kobe Pesor this week. He's a top 20 recruit going to North Carolina. He put on Twitter that if there's no North Carolina football, I'm going. Let's hear what he had to say. All right, we're here with uh, Kobe Pace of uh, Kings Mountain High School. Um, I noticed you put on Twitter last week that if there's no North Carolina football season, you're going to transfer. What led you to do that? Um, honestly, I just want to play my senior year. And with all this stuff going on, I don't know if that's going to be able to happen. And I've seen South Carolina, um, they were talking about they're going to be able to play. So um, I was thinking about just moving to South Carolina. Well, not moving. I was still going to stay in the same location, but just transfer. Me and my dad's already talked about it. I mean, but I don't know where I'm going to go mm -hmm. yet. Do you feel confident they're going to play? Because they may not play either. <laughs> well, I don't even know if they're going to be able to play because I had a few people DM me on Twitter talking about yeah. they don't know if they're going to be able to play or not. And, I mean, if they don't play, I guess I'm going to just head up uh, Chapel Hill early. So if North Carolina was to play in the spring, you wouldn't come back for that? No, sir. I'm, a, uh, I'm an early grad. How many kids are like you? How many kids are you talking to that are saying, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about transferring or I'm just going to go to school early? Well, how many people are saying that? Uh, I've had a few people come up to me and say that. Um, like a few people in the county from other schools talking yeah. about they moving to South Carolina. I was like, dang, I ain't know my I impacted that many people. <laughs> how frustrating is it not to know, you know, when when we might, if we might? I mean, what do you want to know? I just want to know if we're going to be able to play or not. I mean, if they if we don't, then that's fine with me. I'm just going to head up. If we do, then I'm I'm happy. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, top. That's one of the best football players in North Carolina, guys. He's saying 
No football, I'm out. What do you think, Grace? Again, I think it's a situation where, and I've said it before, these, you know, a lot of these 2021 guys are a different breed. I mean, these guys prioritize, you know, their careers, wanting to play football and putting themselves in the best position. Some may view it a little differently that they may not be quote unquote team first guys, but, you know, with a lot of the things these kids have had to deal with, putting yourself in a position to where you can kind of maximize your career and your talents. I mean, I think that's a, a great decision. I'm not surprised. Now, we talked with Curtis Winston about a gap year. How many people do you think Grice would want to come back next year if they could? Even if it was like you had to take classes in Central Piedmont, you can only take one class on campus because obviously we know the class, the, the school building is going to be really, really compacted. I mean, I think, I think especially, you know, we look at this class, I mean, you have some really great talent and anytime you have a class with really great talent, you have a lot of kind of under the radar guys that aren't getting looked at. I mean, so you have your class of, you know, your, your, your group, which is your Will Shipley's, your Evan Pryor's, your Kobe Pacers, guys like that. But you have a lot of under the radar guys that maybe are all conference guys. Maybe we'll participate, you know, if we have it in the Queen City Senior Bowl that don't have the offer and are really dependent on those senior years or some guys with, you know, offers that maybe below where their actual talent base is. But, you know, a lot of these schools are, are depending on these senior years. I know at Hopewell, we have, I think, 23 seniors this year. And quite mm -hmm. a few of those guys who do have some of the film are banking on that, that, that senior year in order to kind of get those offers or get some of the offers that I think and others think they deserve. So for every hundred kids, how many do you think could come back next year or want to come back? Every hundred, five, ten? that would want to come back. I mean, I would think, you know, talking about football players, I mean, I think you'd figure half of a class would want, at least want to come back. I mean, I figure we've got 23. I would think 10 to 12 of our guys would want to come back to improve their quote-unquote draft stock, if you will. Brian, the same thing over there? Yeah, I think so. I think that that definitely could be a possibility if because you have those tweeners, you know, the guys that already have big-time offers, Power 5, Division mm -hmm. One offers, I mean, they should go on to college because they already done the pinnacle of what they're going to get offer-wise. Yeah. Now, there's someone like Borderline, like he's saying, like an all-conference player that's a hard worker is putting a lot of grind in the last year. No one's seen that he's gained two inches and, and 20 pounds and, and got muscles and he can fly around. He wants to show what he can do. So if he's not able to do it, then I think that that would be a cool thing that if they're able to take some type of education at CPCC or something mm -hmm. like that, as mm -hmm. long as they show that they're enrolled somewhere, they're allowed to play their sport in the fall, winter, or spring if they are missing that sport. That would be an interesting thing to do. Now, I know I'm preempting the most popular segment of the show, but should we have a cutoff? Should, you, sh you shouldn't be 20 playing high school. Should you should it just be still – if you fall in the age range, 19, you can't turn 19 before September 1, are you still older that? Keep it the same way, but just add that year into it. If they were, were going to be eligible this year, then they are able to play uh, next year. And no matter how old they are? It doesn't matter. Because then, then you start getting into something like someone who would benefit. <laughs> I don't know about a twenty-year-old playing high school football. You got a twenty-year-old guy playing a fourteen-year-old yeah. guy. Uh, I think if you, I think if you're nineteen after September first, you can still fit in the age range. I'm cool with it. I don't know about the. Yeah, I was under twenty. I mean, I think that's that's, right. that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's above my pay grade. But hold on, it's time. I, I'm, uh -oh. I, I, I've been waiting because there's a question <laughs> here. I really want to hear. Drop your thing easy. All right, I'm going to put up the question. I'm out, and, and Sam wanted to have a little post-question banter this week, so you guys can have a little banter. Always before. changing the rules, man. Come yeah, on, always twerking the rules. Changing the rules. 
Here we go. I'm out. Sam, you go first. All right, I got you. I don't think that this would work in North Carolina. Um, the issue with this is, you know, we only have four classes, but we could have double A, single A, stuff like that. The problem is there's too many North Carolina schools that actually play outside of their classification. You know, like you're talking about Weddington playing Vance. You know, those type of games wouldn't take place. I just think that it's too many things to maneuver to have smaller classes play and then having the, uh, like four A sitting out or the four double A sitting out. There'll be a lot of upset people. I just think if no one's able to play, then no one's able to play. If everyone's able to play, everyone's able to play. I don't think that that model would work. I mean, I think you could do it here. Again, you talk about, you know, with us having four classifications, you talk about those 3A and 4A schools being the schools that play in the spring. Again, we talk about any issues that pertain to, to North Carolina. It's always Fayetteville, Charlotte, you know, Piedmont Triad area, area Raleigh, Durham, which are primary your 3A, 3AA, and uh, four single A and four AA schools. Those schools oftentimes dictate whether it be COVID cases are going to be similar. Football, you have those 3A schools playing those 4A schools. So I think it would be appropriate. You could have the 1A, 2A schools, especially in this kind of situation that are way out, in, you know, way, way west near Manio, you know, way near the mountains, or those schools near Derrick, you know, they're there. Like those schools could be the ones that participate you know, in the fall than the bigger schools, especially now with more time or even, you know, in the future. Those big time games would be amazing in the spring and pique the interest of a lot of these colleges. It's not going to happen. Then all of a sudden these kids are saying they're going to South Carolina. They're going to end up going to those 1A, 2A schools, and then they're going to end up trying to play. Now they're not going to be 2A schools anymore. They're going to be in 3A schools. You see what I'm saying? It'd be a whole different ball game. I just think there's too many moving parts. It wouldn't work. Really you can split it. I mean, I, I think I think it's just one of those things where you have a natural delineation if you're talking three and four. You don't have too many two-way schools that are playing up in that regard. Again, I think that's a situation while it's new and it's a little different. We could make it work. You just would have to put some different rules in there to make sure it's good. Texas always comes up with something crazy. You can't trust Texas all the time. You, you can't, though. But again, I think, you know, there are innovators in a lot of things. Hey, that's where we got throwing the ball from down there. It seemed to work pretty good my way. All right, you're up first on this one, my man. All right, clearly we can take the if out. You know, as, as grinders, you'll see starting this year, the IMEC is the best conference in CMS. Um, so we we know that. There's no point in arguing that. We don't want to agree on the show. I hate agreeing with you personally. You know, what's next? So we got the, the Southwestern Conference or the South, you know, the, I call it the SOMEC. Um, you know, so you have those two conferences uh, as far as the best. In my opinion, clearly, you know, we like the IMEC because of competitiveness. We like the IMEC because of you know, great players. We like the IMEC because every game can be tough. So clearly the answer must be the SOMEC. You know, as you look in the last three years, and of course, this brings it back to your period, you know, five of the five of the seven teams in the conference have either, either finished first or second. You look at, of course, Harding finishing first three years ago, Coach Griner. You look, you know, last year at, you know, or was it last year at Audrey Kell winning? Then the year before, actually, Providence was able to take over and win the conference. Probably one of the, one of the craziest years you've had. Another thing with when you talk about players within that conference, for every Drake May you can point out, I can look at a Jared Joseph from Audrey Kell who had a fantastic year. For every Jamal Worthy at Butler you point out, I can point out Cam Smith who had 2,000 total yards. While you may get more coverage over there within, you know, the, the Southwestern Conference, it's really just a Myers Park and Butler show. The Southwest Conference is the most competitive conference. Every team in there has the opportunity. And now with the relaxed rules regarding eligibility, a lot of those schools are going to be a lot more competitive this year in the Southwest Conference. Yeah. I, the only thing I agree with you is the IMEC is definitely the best conference in CMS. It's, it's really not that close, to be honest with you. 
But on your other regard, even though I was in the SOMAC, it used to be good when, you know, when we won the championship. When you were there, I got you. <laughs> but, you know, um, the problem is this, though. The talent of the overall school, like, those schools are not competing very far into the playoffs. So I don't think the talent and the, like you said, Drake May, every Drake May, there's a, Drake May, there's a, that's a whole different level. That's a whole different level than the guy you're mentioning. You see what I'm saying? In my opinion. And you, and you left out Hickory Ridge too. Jupiter Wilson doing a pretty daggone good job. Porter Ridge has always done fairly, fairly well. I think if you put Porter Ridge in that other conference, then they can compete and maybe win that conference. Like, oh, no, no, no way. They're not better than Andrew Kell. West Mech is always athletic. Again, you talk, you talk about teams that, that went far in the playoffs. Myers Park's the only team to win, right? Did, did Hickory Ridge win one game? I think they lost to Glenn in the first round. Yeah, they lost to Glenn in the first round. Second round, I get it. They got a buy and then lost, right? They got a buy that way, yeah. So no one, no one who, won else there. It, who else made it out in the, in the SOMAC out of the first round? None of the 4AA teams made it all. But, they're, again, there are more 4AA teams, though. So it's the same situation. Discussion right there. But it's When you talk about more competitiveness, that's it. It doesn't say competitiveness. All right, but that's what makes the IMAC great is you'll find out. You can't just walk in and, and go in here and win games in the IMAC. But Look, okay, we, you're right about the IMAC. Let's talk about a real fight. Roy Jones versus Mike Tyson. I don't even know why this is even a fight. Mike Tyson is a killer. I mean, he like, hey man, I I don't know, I'm just a warrior, I'm a killer. I, I mean, I'm telling you, president. No, it's a little bad, <laughs> <laughs> a little bad. But uh, it's it's not even gonna be close. Mike Tyson is just, he's an evil person. And Roy Jones, ever since he's gotten knocked out, um, now he was one of the greatest of all times. Don't get me wrong, but once he started getting knocked out, he just fell off. His confidence fell off. Mike Tyson never lost his confidence in a way outside of. Buster Douglas after that, and then Evander Holyfield. But he still always has um, some type of ability to have that fear factor with that one knockout power. And I think it's going to go – no one's going to go the distance with their age. So why not take the guy that has higher knockout power, Mike Tyson? Easy. Do you know Do you know who actually has won four of their last five and who's actually lost the last two fights that they've had? Roy <laughs> Jones has won four of his last five fights. Do you know the last time Mike Tyson fought? You're talking about different weight classes. 15 years ago. He's still, hey, Roy Jones has fought heavyweight before. He was light heavyweight. Again, he, he's, he's been the one that I can do it in every class. Six, seven weight classes. Again, we talk about a guy who hasn't fought in 15 years, and we want to get them out there. Again, it looks good when he can hit, when he can punch the bag two or three times. He's got knockout power. But the speed and the, the amount of stamina it's going to take for a guy that hasn't been in the ring in 15 years, he's not going to be able to make it far. And once that power goes away, Roy Jones is going to win on points. No, they're not going to go the distance. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'll bet you a side bet that they don't go the distance. Oh, they're no because they're old. That's like you getting in the ring. Are they going five rounds? Are they going five rounds? Because they're five. five. All right. They'll go five for sure. See, Chris Hughes even says it right. Four single A. If I wasn't in four single A, I'd talk junk about four single A. <laughs> you have to like four double A. What are you talking That year, did that go on? Uh, we won the state championship. It was, we beat Vance. We beat. You know, a lot of big time people. Porter Ridge was amazing that year. Oh, oh, by the way, each foresight that went back to back years, we beat them as well. You know what I'm saying? Would be in the top five in the four double A. Get out of here with that. Uh, they have a great program, allows kids a great QB, but they, it's not four double A. It's different. I, I didn't say it was four double A, but that year it was pretty daggone good. Like you, for you to say that Scotland County won't one of the best 
Didn't want one of the best they didn't have Zamir White when you played them. If they have Zamir White, I don't know if he'd be on there like this. I don't know if he'd be on here if they had Zamir White playing. I let them have I let them have a healthy Zamir White easily if I get my three players. I didn't I had conference player of the year defensively that didn't play the last three games. You had Kavars Crouch who was banged up going into the game really bad. Well, you ran him thirty times. That's not our problem. Went to Liberty didn't play. Look, give me those guys, and they can have Georgia. Zamir White went to Georgia. His nickname is Zeus. He's the, if Zamir White's in that game. You can be standing. You can be watching that. about no respect. Gary, didn't they, didn't they go over this last week? Hey, we yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. But again, again, before we go forever, we're getting a little late here, so we know it's time for the two-minute warning. I gave I gave Sam a beating like I told him I would pre-show. Now it's happened. So Gary, Dale, get late. Two-minute warning. Take it away, guys. Porter Ridge is good, by the way. Uh, is too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they talked a little bit about the splitting of the um, uh, spring and fall and uh, with the different classifications. What if counties decided to do that? Do you think that small – because we know that smaller counties are probably going to have less cases, et cetera. Uh, you think that maybe that's a possibility that they could go in the uh, – fall and then the bigger counties uh, play in the spring? I think it depends on what role the, the North Carolina High School Athletic Association wants to play. I, I think their their role would have to be factored into it. Um, you know, it's, it's in their best interest that we have state playoffs. And so um, if you have the bigger systems – choosing to go in the spring as opposed to the fall. Uh, do those systems in turn decide, well, we'll play county championships or city championships versus going to the state. I don't know whether the state would have jurisdiction over that. Uh, I think they would like to have jurisdiction over it because then they get a cut of the gate. But you have to ask yourself, is there going to even be a gate? Um, what is what is the attendance going to be? So I think it's too many difficulties in that. I think ultimately the state is going to make their decisions based on the big five. That's CMS, that's Wake County, um, Guilford, Forsyth, and, and um, Cumberland County. I think either proposal is very difficult to actually – implement because you do have some counties that have uh, 2A and 3A, for example, schools within that particular county. So uh, if anything makes more sense to me, it makes more sense to do it up by classification. And I think even that might be very difficult. I think if if schools went to just saying this county is going to play and this, you know, we're going to play, we're not going to play. I, I believe, like you mentioned, we'll see county championships and not state championships. It's too big of a of a puzzle, I think, to even to begin to try to put together. Well, Dale, do you think if they say fall football is too difficult based on the the science and the the numbers of COVID? 
that they could substitute seven on seven mm-hmm. in the fall season as a pole and, and continue to allow fall workouts as opposed to having a, a fall season. Yeah, so I guess what we're looking at there is maybe the fact that we don't have contact and that makes it more uh, able to play. Uh, I think that's something that should be looked at if uh, maybe not looked at, should already be implemented. It would give those kids that opportunity. I think the biggest thing that we um, or a lot of people I think understand is that the kids getting together, being with each other, that camaraderie and the the competitiveness and the you know the fight and the win and all of that that comes together with playing a, a sport that could still continue on with seven on seven. So certainly, if the science says, well, you can do this, but you can't have the contact. So if the science said you could play soccer, as an example. Uh, then we could certainly play seven-on-seven. So I think it's something I'd like to see uh, laid down as a a plan that uh, maybe we can have sports, but we can't have football because it's contact. But we can have seven-on-seven. So I like that idea. And, Dale, I would think that in in the best interest of the athletes, that they should go ahead and let them start working out. And let's figure out how how, how it's going to be. Are, are the numbers going to go up? You know, if, if we find that through workouts in August that teams are coming down with cases, that you have multiple players, five, six, seven kids, two or three coaches, then, then that tells the state what they need to do September the 1st. If, if they're not doing anything right now, then when September the 1st comes, then how are we going to know if we're capable of having a fall season if we haven't already tried to, to experiment with it during these workouts? Yeah, I got to respond to that because I agree with you 100% that we should have been going through workouts and see what that coming together actually does it gives an opportunity hate to say experiment but how are we going to know right now we're just going to say numbers look good so let's go i agree with you um i think you know that if all the parents and the coaches could get together and vote and we know by the players they went out and protested last week they want to play um so the question here is uh you know, if they, they say we should go forward, what do you think that really tells us? Um, should we go forward? What should we do? Well, it kind of goes back to the last question we answered. I think we should go forward as far as the workouts. And I think, you know, you, you kind of phase in the workouts where you you go with the pod system and, and uh 25 kids per workout, and, it, and if that goes well over, say, a 10-day period, then you add to it until you get to a full team, and, and by the time September the 1st comes, you have numbers for the state to look at. You have high school numbers to look at. You have teenage numbers to look at, as opposed to looking at just the numbers 
of the general population, because we know that athletes and young people, um, when it comes to this, this disease, um, react to it differently than the general population does. So, but if you don't have any, any numbers to go by, then I don't think you're making an informed decision uh, by waiting until September 1st. I agree. I think that, uh, first of all, I'm a believer in choice. And uh, if the community says, let's do something, the community should have that ability to do that. We do have the ability to test, to see. And I think we've already had, uh, I don't think we've had discussion many times about how, how many people do we think, if kids were to be tested right now, how many players on the team would come up and uh, test positive? And we think we think that number is probably fairly high to begin with. And those kids are still doing their thing. So um, I, I would, if a community wants to do it and they're all willing to accept, accept the risk, then I think they should be able to phase in with testing and do this. And then, I, I, I don't like this wait, 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 wait. We're going to do it if the numbers are right. And we asked, asked about the metrics and we didn't really get a, you know, they don't have an answer on that obviously right now. But it's easier to stop something than it is to start something late. And I think we should go on. I think we should have already been doing the optional workouts. And then if we see a problem, then we can stop it. Well, we just heard from uh, Kobe Pesor in an earlier segment about going to South Carolina and playing. And we've even heard of a story where um, a federal judge would, would not allow an inmate to, to, to transfer uh, his sentence out of New Jersey down to, to South Carolina because he said South Carolina is more dangerous than it is in New Jersey. Um, so what does that mean for high school football when when you have kids that that want to leave one state to go to another state? Yeah, so just when you're uh, asking that question, that particular situation, not that situation, but the situation of the Northeast in here is impacting me with my work. I can't travel up to Pennsylvania right now. I have to go into two-week quarantine. So they do feel that we have a lot higher instances down here of issues. Um, you know, I, I understand the want to play, especially those kids that may be fringe borderline and think that this is going to be their only opportunity to maybe get that off or at least maybe get a D2 um, ride. And uh, so they're going to want to play, but, the situation in South Carolina is not much different than it is here. And while they may try to jump in to play, they're still going to ultimately, I think, face the same kind of problem that we're seeing here. So, you know, you make that move, you're, I, I, I think it's a gamble that's not in your favor. <laughs> yeah. Because South Carolina could easily shut it down just like North Carolina could. I'm sorry. I okay, just, you guys are laughing. I mean, I, I know you guys have the serious conversation, but I'm looking at Sam in the green room with this, like, 1947 hat. What's up with that, Sam? Because he's not going to try me with the uh, Kavars Crowds 35 running thing. I'm just going to throw him throwback. I'm going to go a little 
back helmet for him real quick. Just because he tries. That's about right. It fits for the offense. That's what I'm saying. I thought it's all good. It works. You got. I'm just like laughing, so I sit back down with this thing on his head. I want to ask you guys about the Virginia plan. We're talking about plans. Virginia put out their plan today. And this is something that Langston's been advocating about moving everything to the spring if we couldn't move some of the spring sports to the fall. But they're kind of copying South Carolina. Grice, you texted out today. You love this plan. I want to hear from everybody. There's the plan. What are your thoughts? Grace, you talk first. Yeah, I'll start. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think, you know, you know, know, I've been an advocate for fall from the beginning. But if we don't have that possibility and we're in a situation, and especially now as we've kicked the can down the road this far, I think that's a great alternative to what, you know, the the original plan was going to be. And frankly, it's a plan. It's been voted on. The options were presented. And everyone is aware of what's going to happen before we actually get going. I applaud Virginia for taking that initiative. And I hope North Carolina looks to do the same soon. Chris, what do you think? Well, like Grace said, I at least applaud them for having a plan and taking an initiative. You know, I listened to Dale speak, and, you know, I, I would love to see us have the option to play. Uh, if, if we can begin practice on September 1st and, and, and everything clears up, the numbers look right, football is supposed to be played in the fall, and that's when I want to see it. Mm-hmm. I think we all do. But given the chance or the choice of football in the spring, in the winter, or no football at all, I think we'll all hold hands and agree to watch football whenever it's played. Uh, But I just hope that it can still somehow or the other be salvaged uh, late September, early October. Absolutely. Well, Gary put out another plan today from his uh, executive desk from Washington, D.C. Richmond plan 2.4. Wrong one. Wrong one. Mm -hmm. Richmond plan plan 2.5. <laughs> so, so I want to give everybody a chance to take a look at Richmond Plan 2.5, and then we're gonna let the man, Senator Richmond, explain his plan to the public. Well, I, I think it's um, as we were saying, Virginia has certainty. Uh, South Carolina has certainty. Um, CMS and some surrounding counties don't have any certainty, and I think what they need to do to help them make a better informed decision is to go ahead and start working out. Now, I also think they need to test. And we've had heart of a champion in Charlotte for, I'm not sure how many years, but where all the schools get together and and they go to to Atrium Health and the kids get a physical um, for the upcoming season. now, of course, you can't put them on buses right now and, and gather all those people in one place. But I would like to see some health organization, I guess, Atrium, since they are affiliated with Cabarrus County and CMS. I would like to see them set up three testing sites and any kid that wants to participate in fall athletics, go get tested. And they would have a two day window to go. That's all coaches as well. Once the test results in, of course, one would go to to the health department. Uh, you send one to the um, the athletic department to let them know who is positive and who's negative. And any kid that's negative is eligible to to go start fall workouts. Uh, any kid that comes after the workout date would have to go get their own test within. Um, and the, the, the test results would have to be brought back to the school within 48 hours. And then from that point, start your workouts. And Cabarrus County, uh, CMS, they've all had their training. 
then you let that training take over for the fall workouts. Mm-hmm. And, and, and based on how that, that works out, now you have a more informed decision based on data than you would have than just waiting until September the 1st. Yeah. Well, I think that CMS should let kids work out. I was interested to hear uh, Ernst's answer. I thought he was really on point with a lot of things he said. You know, he took a lot of things head on. Some of the things I know that people want direct answers on, he just can't give them. And I I, I get that. I understand. Um, But the state association is really trying to collect. I'm coming to the state association is really trying to collect information on what everybody's doing in terms of returning to school. And then I believe they're going to try to put out a plan. Uh, as one of you guys asked earlier, Raleigh and Charlotte have put together a study. They looked at like half of the LEAs in the in the state. I think there's 115 of them, and 51% are going remote learning, including all the big ones. So it looks like most everybody's going remote learning. If you heard Ernest, he didn't seem 1,000% certain that they were going to allow sports on the remote learning environment. So it's really going to be interesting to me. And Chris is shaking his head. Go ahead, Chris. What, what, what do you think? No, he said uh, that will be uh, a challenge. You know, that goes back to what he said. So I, I don't see it either. I mean, I, and it goes back to what I said weeks and weeks and weeks ago, because we continuously have this cyclical conversation, is that I, from a liability and in legal standpoint, that's where I see my concerns in transportation and, and logistics and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, but just to, to kind of go back on what Gary said, that's the best thing I've heard. And I had not heard that in any paper, any articles, any literature that I've read where, you know, students go and get their physical uh, paid for a lot of times by the local health uh a department or, or hospital or maybe a local doctor in some of these small communities, why not have them go line up and get their COVID testing? And, and, you know, right then and there, you've got a tangible piece of paper to look at. Hey, he can practice. Hey, she can practice. Or, hey, they, they've got a quarantine for 14 days. Uh, uh, that, that's a great plan, Gary. Dale, go ahead. What, what was on your mind, Dale? Yeah, so the problem that bothers me is that Gary has a plan and CMS doesn't. And I appreciate the answers that Ernest gave us, but they don't have a plan. They don't have, they don't even know the metric right now that's going to trigger a go, no go. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's an awesome idea to, well, you know what? Let's go have the kids tested mm-hmm. and the ones that are positive, you know, they got to, they got to go do their quarantine thing. Mm-hmm. And all the kids that are negative can then, and coaches can now go and start their, um, you know, their workouts. And then... Is it CMS though, Dale, is it more the state? I mean, CMS can allow the kids to work out, which I think all of us think they, they should do. Don't they have to wait for the Q-Tuggers crew to say, this is what we're doing? Because CMS can't say, oh, I'm not... Go ahead, Chris. There's optional workouts right now. Well, I mean, I'm optional right now. I mean, the LEAs, the NCHSAA has pretty much put the LEAs in control of their own destiny, at least until that September 1st Um hmm start date for official practices. So uh, I think that in terms of right now, right here, these school systems can control their own destiny, at least in terms of who plays and who doesn't. That's right. What I'm saying is CMS should allow them to work out, but what can CMS do beyond letting Grice and Sam work out? What else can they do? They can't say we're going to play sports on September 1 because the state has to do that. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I think CMS, like Ernest said, pretty clearly he says it's not always good to be first like there's a lot of people with plans out there and i know it sounds good to have something concrete but there's too many variables that they have to evaluate um 
and, and to be able to make better decisions. They just don't want to say something to make the wrong decision. I think that's what they're more afraid of. But and, and I understand that. Read between the lines. It just sounds to me like they're not going to let you guys go back to practice until the governor moves into a different phase. That's just that's what, kind of what I took from that tonight. Yeah, I wish that we had a plan on the aspect of you know kind of like the Virginia plan where we're able to have sports maybe shortened but starting in December or whatever they think would be enough time to get our bearings. Governor Richmond, somebody says it takes too long to get the test back to make your plan effective. What do you say? I had a test uh, last Thursday. I got the results back on Saturday. Yeah, they, they I think when you, have, when you have a large organization like CMS who, who's contracted out to, to one of the health organizations, I think they will get it back within 48 hours. I mean, the pros, they're getting theirs back in, within 48 hours. Yeah. So I, I think uh, individually when you go on your own to get a test is where the delays are. But if you just have one particular group, in this case, we're talking about CMS athletes or Cabarrus County athletes, then I think you would find you get the results back a lot faster. Get a lot of these comments that CMS will keep their heads in the sand. I just want to be clear what I'm saying. I'm saying that CMS should allow the coaches to work out, but I don't know what else they can do beyond that until they hear from the state. Raleigh can't do, Raleigh can't do anything else other than allow kids to work out, which they're not doing. So I don't know what else CMS really can do. I just want to make that very clear because a lot of people feel like CMS is driving this. They're not driving this anything. Am I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. They're not driving this anything beyond uh, not allowing kids to work out, which I think they should do. Yeah, right. And I think they're trying. They're more worried about figuring out the school, the two weeks of getting those, you know, students in schools for the two weeks because there's going to be a lot of kids that show up that do have the the coronavirus. You see, what I'm saying that no one's being tested to come there, so. They're really trying to figure out that. I think literally sports, and I understand that right now, even though I'm a football coach and I, I can't wait to be with my guys. I want to be able to play Hopewell very end late in the year because of Grice, you know, wearing my tail. I'm trying to make you laugh, Sam. Somebody's talking about your tennis attire. But <laughs> that neon you had on. I, do, I, I look like Agassi with that backhand. I ain't going to lie a little bit with that. <laughs> no, 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 that's not what he said. You me with the ping pong comment, dude. I, I'm telling you, look, football, basketball, trampoline, ping pong, basketball. Serious question, same, same caller. What do you guys think? How long will it take to get kids ready to play? Coach Grice, Coach, Coach Griner, you guys are on the front lines. How long will it take to get ready to play? Mm hmm. 21. I don't think there's any chance that we do that right now. It's like a it's like a loaded question right there. How long do we you know think kids will be? Let's say they said that. I mean, yeah. Like, would you need I mean, two? Give me three weeks. I think. Yeah, I think three weeks would be appropriate. Yeah. I mean, you figure you need the you, know, you get the ten days or so to you know the acclimatization period, and then you're able to to have the scrimmage and get going. I think a three week period with, with the guys will be in shape, ready to go, and I think the quality of football will be fine. That's always what I worry about whenever they talk about you know opening and then proceeding to the start a game. I want to play football, but I don't want to see poor quality you know poor quality football, especially in such an important year when you just have guys trying to hurry up and get this done. And I think that's where it's kind of shifted my philosophy to say, if we're going to make this a rush job and not give kids adequate time to prepare and be at their, their highest level or somewhere close, let's go ahead and push this to where we have adequate time to do so. I, 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 I agree. Uh, a little more of injury or 
I'm sorry. Well, I think that plays into it. Quality, including, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to see Weddington advance and Will Shipley's out with the hamstring strain. Kyle yeah. Reckles is out or Austin Greer's not playing. Like, that That doesn't help or make it good for anybody. Back in the day, didn't they start on August 1 and play August 29th and everybody was good? I mean, you know. Also, we we're outside a lot. You need yeah. a little three weeks, though, especially someone that's like, there's a lot of coaches out there that, you know, haven't even met their guys like similar to myself. <laughs> Name tag on. Hi, I'm Sam Garner. There's a lot to get done, but um, three yeah. weeks, I think, you know, we could we could definitely get some, you know, game ready. We won't be polished, but we'll I'm go gonna, to I'm going to lay a guess you're going to be out first week of August. I'm just going to guess. First week of August, it looks like our numbers are kind of stabilizing. I, I think we're going to move to a different phase. I'm going to say first week of August, you'll be out there. We'll see. You realize that next week, right? Right. Any any final thoughts uh from uh Mr. Richmond? What you heard tonight from Mr. Winston, your buddy? Um, I think he he's he's trying to keep it close to the vest. He doesn't want to get anybody's uh expectations too high. I think he's no different than than any uh, parent. They want what's best for the kids. Um, but it, it's his job to do what's best for the educational side first and, and athletics second. Um, I think he understands, you know, how bad the kids want it, and, and he wants to help them with it. But his, his primary goal is to get school open. All right, Gary, you you were in the school system forever, ever, never. Should we just be in Plan C and no nobody goes to school the first two weeks? You could sign up for the virtual learning and not have to go to go to school the first two weeks, but should well, we just? Be in Plan C? I, I didn't get a chance to ask him, but I thought, you know, based on the studies that said that kids under ten are not contagious, mm -hmm. I thought they should open up the elementary schools. Um, and then let the, the the middle school and the high schools go remote. Well, uh, you could open up. You could have put some elementary school students in the bigger schools and socially distanced them a great deal. Yeah, and, and I thought that would have been the best plan. It, it would do two things. It 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 would help with the 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 psychological and sociological process with kids that age, but it also would take the daycare burden off of parents because it's that age where parents have to have to find daycare for their kids. So they could have knocked out, you know, two two birds with one stone on just letting the elementary kids go back. That's and, okay. But now you're an elementary school teacher. How in the world are you going to get those kids to keep the mask in their face all day long and not, you know, touch it and not touch the neighbor, not rub the, the saliva on somebody else? I just think, I mean, I, I love the idea and I think you could social distance them in bigger schools, but I think it'd be really hard to keep those kids from, from doing all the little things. Well, I never taught them that young, so that <laughs> I don't have an answer for that one. Yeah, kindergarten rising first grader um, granddaughter is very good about wearing her mask. Yeah, but I don't know about all day. That'd be very difficult. I was saying, but what happens when you get like ten of them together? You know, oh, no, yeah, no. That, but you know, we have an experiment right across the border in Union County because they're going to school once a week. So we kind of see how it goes for them. We had Andrew Houlihan on, the superintendent of uh, Union County Schools. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that was good. All right. It's time for Sam's final thoughts. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, Samuel, 
I appreciate it. You know, you guys gave me a little bit of hard time tonight, but I can take it. All right. Grace, Grace is getting really good at his communication skills as always. But um, Mackenzie, I really appreciate you being on there filming it. She had her own crew that showed up. Her brother was helping her film. Um, she's pretty legit. And I can't wait to see what she has in store coming for us next week. Um, Ernest, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You were very transparent. You did everything you could explaining yourself as well as you could about the topics. And uh, those were some tough questions. I, I mean, every question that came at him was pretty difficult. And I thought he handled it, you know, with, with great poise. And uh, I just love being on the show with you guys. Really appreciate we started this back with like an old throwback phone, me and Langston a long time ago. And then we've grown up to this. So I can't wait to see what it has in the future. Yeah, those those first couple shows were rough, man. <laughs> they were you were sitting on a brick wall and the, the, yeah. the phone wouldn't work and you know now we, come, we come a long way, got a big old audience. You guys are down in South Carolina, people tell me they watch the show and man, I can't wait to start playing football. We can talk about kids, man. And, and golly, I mean just so much stuff you want to talk about and not had the same conversation every week. It's kind of getting old. I'm tired of talking about well, they play, will they not play? Uh, I, you know, I, but uh, he, I mean, here you go right here, you know, uh, right there from, from Lee. Uh, you know, people, I, I get so many comments like this a week, guys. Just, you know, watch the show. I live, people who don't even live in Charlotte, you know, live in, you know, small towns and watch the show. We got to include some of those coaches and players. There's so much stuff that I want to do, and we just got to get to start playing football. We have a lot of fun on here. We got Chris, the guru, the number one football guy in the state of North Carolina, and we can't let him talk about football. You know, that, that that bothers me. But hopefully we'll be able to have a chance to do that later on. But it's been a great show. Um, Grace, you got any last thoughts before we hang up? You didn't talk a whole lot today. <laughs> no, I'm just excited, man. Ready to get to some football, man. Thank you. All right, guys. We catch yeah, you. I, I want to see you in ping pong, for real. Oh, man. Uh-oh, I'm Dale. Uh-oh. Man. Chris was a man. He stepped up to the game. You know, he stepped up and he played. Like, he's like, I want to play best three out of five. So, like, All right. Y'all got to buy a Patreon to see the after the show. We're out. Right. <laughs> <laughs>